This is the Coach Brew Show. This is also the world's shortest podcast intro. So, Mrs. Coach Brew, are you ready to uh, to do this? I am ready. Are you? Are you sure? As sure as I can be. So, before we start this podcast, why don't you tell me exactly how you feel about what we're doing? This is not my favorite thing to do, but I do it for you because I love you. How much do you hate doing this? I really, really hate doing this. Hashtag extreme introvert. Exactly. At least you don't have, you have an audience of one right now. Quincy's right there. Yeah, he's the one. Okay. Yeah, and you love him. True. So this this should be a non-issue, right? It should be. We're already recording, you know that, don't you? I do. Okay. Um, Welcome to the COVID Chronicles, episode one. Uh, the Coach Brew Podcast, and um, this is, I wanted to have a very special guest, Mrs. Coach Brew, come on the podcast because I need someone to ask me some questions. I had my readers of my newsletter and my blog uh, write in because I asked them a question, and I'm going to ask all of you wonderful listeners the same question. In the spirit of serving you better, I'm posing this question to you. What is your biggest need right now during the corona crisis? So if you go to anchor.fm slash Coach Brew Podcast, there's actually a voicemail icon you can click where you can leave me a message with your question or any feedback on any of these episodes. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, what should they do, honey? They should subscribe. What are you waiting for? Why aren't you subscribed? That would be a better question. Somehow, if you're listening to this, you found us. By us, I mean me, because she doesn't want to be found. We're recording this. Um, so anyway, go ahead and subscribe. iTunes, uh, Anchor.fm, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you found us. And... Uh, Thank you for listening. We're recording this from deep, deep, deep in the uh, in Coach Brew Manor in the basement bunker, socially distanced, not from each other, but from our children um, who are upstairs. They're still probably sleeping or plugged into their phones, you know, making TikTok videos, but. I share that with you because at any point they might come barging in here and interrupting or the dog might bark because he hears something and he's a fabulous watchdog. But the big question right now that I am getting is, what is it, hon? So a lot of people really want to no, know. No, the big question that I ask that, that people are, are chiming in with oh, their concerns. I was jumping ahead. The big question, what is the biggest need right now? During COVID-19. Or the corona crisis. The corona crisis. Which is not related to corona beer. There's a survey in yahoo.com, I think, that um, they surveyed like 200,000 Americans, which is, so you're a, uh, a doctor, you're a medical expert, familiar statistics and research. Is 200,000 a fairly good sample size for any kind of data and research? That's a good size. Yeah, uh, that's what she said. Um, they found with 200,000 people that an overwhelming majority, like 84% of them, 
thought the coronavirus, this is in the early stages, thought the coronavirus had something to do with drinking Corona beer. That's not exactly a ringing endorsement for the collective intellect of our nation, is it? It is not, but it was much earlier. But still. I know. Yeah. Um, those are the same people that post pictures of their food and cat videos, I bet, on social media. Take off their gloves with their teeth. Yes, exactly. So the big question is, what's your biggest need right now? Uh, feel free to chime in on this. This won't be the last time that I answer this question because I think those needs are going to change. I mean, you're already seeing the needs of the medical community changing. Would you say on a week-by-week basis or day-by-day or hour-by-hour? The planning's hour-by-hour. The, the need is changing day-by-day. Give me a for instance. Give me an example. You could tell me, but you'd have to kill me. Is that going to be your answer? <laughs> We're just there's a lot of planning for a surge, and the question is if and when the surge will happen. In Maine. In Maine. Yeah, and we've surged elsewhere already. Some places have already reached their surge. Some places are weeks away. Our surge is predicted to peak Saturday. When you'll be in the hospital for a week. Right. So this might be the last time I talk to you. No, I don't think so. <laughs> This might be the last time I talk to you in person, less than six feet away, by my own choice. Ah. I mean, for the foreseeable future. It's awfully morbid there. Yeah, well, here's my theory, you know, having, this is like, how many, how far into the quarantine exactly are we? A month? Yeah. Okay. So, as I've been reflecting on the last month, it got me thinking about Osama Bin Laden. In his bunker? Yeah, and here's... In the cave? What, no, not when he was originally hiding in Tora Bora. went, like, towards the, uh, the end stages. So, like, think about this. He was uh, sheltering in place, in various places, but then for the last five years of his shelter in place, he was in that home in Pakistan with his three wives. He, he was self-quarantined for five years with three wives. I've been doing this for a month with you and the kids. And and after a month, I think my theory is he called those Navy SEALs in himself. What do you think about that? I thought you were going to tell me you wanted two more wives. (laughs) Well, there's that too. (laughs) But, um, so as I digress, this, uh, how am I doing on the quarantine? Am I behaving myself? Everybody, this is probably inquiring minds want to know. You're actually doing way better than I thought you might. Yeah. I'm not even drinking or anything. I know. Yeah. No even, self-medicating. You're even freaking out the kids. On how well-behaved I am? Yeah. Well, I wish I could say the same thing for our little cherubs. But, uh, we have a ton of resources for you as we jump into this episode, the Corona Chronicles. Uh um, so if there's anything that I share that you think could be beneficial to someone else, share this up, let them know about it and, uh, pass it along to them. Probably the best thing you can do and they can do would be subscribe to my newsletter, coachbrew.com. Click on, uh, there's a little email bar at the very top where you can sign up, do that. 
and uh, you automatically get a free digital download of my premium newsletter, one, one uh, sample month. And that month uh, contains 12 tips to double your results and double your sales. You're welcome. Go ahead. Go do that now. Anyway, um, biggest need right now. What was the first reader question, Mrs. Coach Brew? Well, uh, not surprisingly, your readers seem to really want to know what to do about their income. Income. Yeah, that, uh, that came from a number of people in the hospitality industry, like the service industries. Uh, I think there are a couple important options I want to make sure you're not leaving on the table. See what I did there? You don't want to leave it on the table. I see that. Yeah, people can't see you rolling your eyes and nodding. You have to do it verbally, hon. Um, but seriously, since you can't host like dinner guests, for example, focus on what you can do. You can, I know a number of restaurants are doing this, you can offer delivery service. You can also offer pre uh, pickup of prepackaged meals. And my advice would be a limited number of menu items, A, that are the most popular, and B, uh, for your own self-preservation and interest, um, your highest profit margin items. Uh, That's the first thing. The second thing, hon, is become a swinger. And still socially distance? Yeah, not that kind of swinger. Get your mind out of the gutter. Not talking about like that kind of swinger. I mean a list swinger. And here's what I'm talking about. Share your customer list. For example, uh, if you're a restaurant, you know you have uh, you have a bar, and you serve probably beer and liquor. So, for instance, you could share your list with a local craft brewery who here in Maine are doing beer deliveries to your door. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, shout out to uh, Lone Pine Brewing Company, uh, the Lone Pine. Is it pale ale? That's my favorite. That is your yeah. fave. Um, they're doing deliveries. So you could create a sort of strategic partnership in this time of need and share your list with them. They'll share their list with you, combine forces, and offer their beer delivery with your food delivery because you can grow your respective audiences together. Um, the next thing I think you could do is, and some of you are going to say, yeah, we already do this, but there's a little nuance to it. Um, and you, you want to be selling gift cards, gift certificates. And this is the part where you say, yeah, I'm already doing that. Thanks. But not so fast, my friend. There is a subsidiary of Citizens Bank called Shift4. Now, they've set up a website called Shift4Cares, and that allows anyone anywhere in the country to buy gift cards to their favorite restaurants. And you're like, yeah, uh, we can already do that. Here's the kicker. Don't leave any money on the table. Shift four citizens bank will contribute an additional 5% to the restaurante. So yeah, you're already offering gift cards. Great. You may want to get on this platform so you get an extra 5%. Because right now, every penny counts everywhere. Uh, not that it didn't before. It's just added, uh, there's an added significance to that. 
And there doesn't seem to be any catch. I know people are a little suspect. My wife is uh, very suspicious of anything like this all the time. Aren't you, hon? Yep. Yeah. Um, she's, she's a woman of few words, too. There appears to be no catch. It's not like Citizens gets a kickback or takes a percentage from the restaurant or the customer or anything. And the website is cares.shift4.com. So that's the third possibility. Here's a fourth one. Um, And this, while I use restaurants as an example, because that service industry is getting hit really hard with all this, harder than many. Um, This is not limited to restaurants, but uh, some restaurants are selling dining bonds. And for example, because I'm not good at math. I think we've established that, right, hon? Is math one of my strong suits? No, that's that's without a doubt a fact. This poor math. Math is not your strength. Okay. Um, So I'm going to use round numbers. So, for example, um, a gift certificate a customer will buy for 75 bucks can become worth $100 when they dine at the restaurant when it reopens. And now you can set your discount type and rate to whatever you want, but at diningbond.com, you have the ability to create these dining bonds. You could probably do it on your own, but this is really convenient. And it's an online platform where anyone anywhere can buy a dining bond from your restaurant. Now you can do a regular, you know, like bond for your business where someone buys a gift certificate for $75 worth of product. Let's say your hair salon, you know, uh, it could be a service too, like a mani-pedi, a waxing, a hairdo, they buy 75 bucks worth, you, they could redeem it for 100 later. Uh, and it'll give you a, a much-needed immediate influx of cashola and give them an incentive to buy. Diningbond.com is that example. Now, here's the thing I think is really important, especially up here. You know, Maine has, don't we have more coastline than, like, the rest of America all put together, something ridiculous. What's the statistic? I don't know exactly, but it is something crazy like that because of all the, the nooks and crannies. You just described an English muffin? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um, we have more coastline than like any other state in the country, I think is what it is, right? But sure. um, so, you know, we're a vacation community, seasonal tourist communities, you know, throughout uh, Maine, both the mountains and the coast. Um, if you're a business in one of those communities, you should already be collecting names, addresses, and emails of your visitors. If you haven't been, shame on you, but now's, uh, this is precisely the reason to do it because if your customers love you and, you know, let's say they summer here and they winter somewhere else, like for tax reasons, many people summer up here or spend 49% of their year here and 51% of the year they spend in Florida because there's no state income tax. But anyway, they would, you would want to stay in touch with them so that they could purchase a gift card or a dining bond for when they come back and visit your area. Or really, it could give them the perfect reason to want to come back and visit your area when the travel ban is lifted. So um, I think that's really important. Just uh, 
be able to stay in touch with your customers and your prospects uh, at a time when a lot of people are kind of, they're not just sheltering in place, they're also not communicating as much with the outside world. So I would recommend you actually do the opposite. And uh, there is a, if you go to my blog, coachbrew.com slash blog, this article um, that I made a list of all these links within the article that I've talked about, uh, there is a comprehensive resource that uh, has all the links you need to the CARES Act, um, which is the, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, the government's sort of stimulus program for small business. It's a comprehensive link under uh, item bullet point number one. It's basically a small business owner's guide to the CARES Act. That'll take you to everything you need to see, everything you need to know, any questions you might have that I'm not able to answer are right there. Um, Mrs. Coach Brew. Yes. Do you like that term of endearment? I'm used to it. You're used to it? Yeah. Okay. Um, we had another question. What's the next question in the queue here? Well, a lot of your readers seem to be struggling because their uh, income is based on doing events and gathering people together. And that just went to hell, huh? Right. Yeah. yeah. So what are they supposed to do when, when their whole business plan is, is premised on gathering people? Therein lies the problem. Uh, I've often said, well, should I, should I do a little impromptu, uh, Open mic here, because the mic is open. Yeah, it worries me, but sure. Yeah, you know the the band Three Dog Night. Are you too young to remember Three Dog Night? Aren't you? This is from like the seventies, well before you were born. Thank you. Hashtag sarcasm. There's a song by Three Dog Night. Do 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 do. One, you, you might not want to do that. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever see. But um, bump that you know that song, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I think one's the loneliest number in business too. They're not. They're talking about relationships and being lonely. Like it's like a breakup song. Yeah. Um, yes, millennials. There were breakup songs before Taylor Swift was born. But it's a breakup song. I think one's the loneliest number in business too. So if your entire business is predicated on one thing, like live events, you want to rethink your business model. And you wanted to do that well before this, but now you're being forced to. So the first thing I would tell you to do is go to that CARES Act link that I talked about that's over on my blog, coachbrew.com slash blog. What was that website again, hon? No, my, mine. You don't have to look at your notes. Coachbrew. Coachbrew.com. Slash. Slash blog. Yeah. Phew. So, so um, she loves doing this. You want to go there uh, and look at those resources, payroll, um, the, uh, the small business, the SBA link for loans, that kind of thing. But beyond that, in, in the immediate, you want to do virtual events. So let's say you're like an audio visual company. You do like, you don't actually do the event. They bring you in to like do the lighting and the sound and all that stuff. Um, you want to try to continue to be a value to clients and prospects and stay top of mind uh, by doing virtual events. 
and uh, how you can assist them with that. But also, uh, for when the quarantine and the travel travel ban are lifted, you know, you could, for example, post recordings that showcase your talents at audio and video editing. Make it fun because people are really kind of looking for entertainment and a bit of an escape. And everyone's probably done binge watching Tiger King. So they're looking for something else. Um, you could also showcase like your lighting, your ability to live stream, which is not as easy as you would think. Um, I botched a, a YouTube live stream. So the, the, there's some tech savviness you need. And you could, of course, reach out to past clients for referrals while you have a captive audience for testimonials. While you literally have a captive audience of people at home 24-7 with what in hand, hon? She wasn't listening. And she's not even holding the mic up to tell me she wasn't listening. So you don't know that she wasn't listening. Uh, With their smartphones in hand. Like people aren't necessarily glued to their computers, but they've got their phone with them on the couch, in bed, in front of the TV, probably at the dinner table like our children try and do sometimes. And that drives you batty, doesn't it? Yeah, no phones at the table. Yeah. Um, But seriously, you've got a captive audience who are constantly looking at their phones. We we check our phones. I think the, the latest stat was like 77 times a day. Probably during the quarantine, that number's low. That number's going to go up. Uh, Pregnancy numbers are going to go up. Divorce rates are going up. What else is going up during the quarantine? Dog adoptions. Dog adoptions. Um, Yeah, yeah, quarantine. uh, Rescue dogs. We uh, just, this is tangential. Uh, We just uh, adopted a puppy. Quincy just looked over. He's like, we did what? Yeah, we have a black lab named Quincy. You can follow him on Instagram, at Quincy the model. Uh, he's legitimately a professional model, far more famous than yours, Bruley, here. Um, but we're getting second dog. We're adding a family member. You want to tell everyone about the dog, hun? She is super cute. She is a yellow lab golden retriever mix. Yes. Her parents. Her parents. The dad's a yellow lab. He's gorgeous. His name's what? Otis. Otis, yeah. And the mom? The mom is a beautiful, deep red golden retriever. Yeah. Named Hunter. Hunter. Yes. Yeah. And uh, what are we naming our little girl? Seems like we're settled on Callie. Callie, yeah. I suggested the name Morgan, which everyone hated, and... uh, I, I got no cloud around here. I try and flex. I can't flex. There's no flexing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you could you could do a lot of things, but uh, so that's what I recommend: get virtual with your events and showcase your talents. We digressed a little bit there. Now, is there another question? We got a bunch here. I think we have like what a dozen, and this next one's number three. Yeah, we gotta move it along. All huh? right. All right. Chop chop. Okay. So you you kind of just hinted at this one, but people are talking and asking about how do they get other income and maybe pursue a side hustle. Yeah, so like residual income and or a side hustle. 
I think a great, great way to do that would be to create a continuity product. That's a big word or a big phrase for a subscription service, continuity product. Um, build an email list, which I already told you you should have already been doing, and mail that list consistently. So now if you're listening to this, there's a good possibility it's because you subscribe to my list or you subscribe to my podcast, duh. Um, Fun fact, I've built my business primarily by building an engaged list of subscribers to my newsletter uh, where you get alerts that there's a new podcast episode that has dropped. Uh, A couple examples of that. And I don't share all this to impress you. I share it to impress upon you the importance of building a list, okay? Uh, My email list has largely been responsible for multiple best-selling books, my coaching clients, some of them, uh, members of my membership community, which you can find more information about at yesterdaysunderdog.com. What was that website again, hon? Yesterdaysunderdog.com. Yes. Uh, What else? Speaking engagements, some other, uh, you know, my accountability coaching program, lots of... Uh, Revenue-producing opportunities originated from having an engaged email list. So again, uh, I just share that with you to impress upon you the importance of delivering value and entertainment, not necessarily in that order either, uh, to your audience. And to do that now electronically because, well... You can't sit them down in a room or an auditorium or a stadium. So uh, there are other ways to curate more subscribers and eventually more customers as a result. You could start a, pro- a podcast. Uh, I'm confident this experience has emotionally scarred my wife to the point where she would never want her own podcast. Is that accurate, hon? That is accurate. Yeah. Um, so start a podcast. I think people worry about like, well, how do I get advertisers for the podcast? I need to have like a huge listenership to attract advertisers. And I would tell you, this is the wrong approach. You know, that works for some people who already have, you know, they're already household names and they just start a podcast and they have a big audience. Best thing you can do is make your product the sponsor of your podcast and run a commercial for that. You don't even have to get like a uh, voiceover actor, edit, you know, the audio. Just do a live red commercial for your product or service in the middle of your podcast, at the beginning, at the end. Um, I mean, you've heard me mention my website, my blog, my membership community. How many times now? Many, many times. Yeah. Uh, Ad nauseum, is that the word? Not quite. No. Uh, But seriously, you know... If you don't honk your own horn, there is no music. I love that quote. I have no idea who said it, but I think you got to honk your own horn first. So uh, promote your own stuff within your own stuff. You could also uh, be a guest blogger, a podcast guest, guest speak. Uh, Right now it would be at virtual events, but uh, you could do that, host your own virtual events. I haven't seen bars do this with their audience or restaurants, but what I'm doing with my membership community is I'm hosting a virtual happy hour each week. You see musicians host uh, virtual uh, concerts from their living room or from their basement and let their people follow that and tune in on social media. Uh, You could do the same thing. 
And this is all like zero cost stuff for the most part. Uh, what I would say is social media probably ought to be your last strategy you employ, not your first. Uh, number one, you don't own the platform. You, know, you don't own Facebook. You don't own YouTube. You don't own Twitter. Uh, it's like renting real estate as opposed to owning the land that you're on or owning your home versus renting a home. And the ROI is much lower than an email list. Um, you know, in my last book, Stadium Status, which if you haven't read it, you can go to stadiumstatusbook.com, pick yourself up a copy uh, while you're self-quarantined. We're still shipping. But um, that became a bestseller through a couple means. Social media uh, and my mailing list, doing podcast interviews, radio shows, TV, all that. Um, but in using unique URLs to track where sales came from, which is what I did, um, my email list exponentially outperformed my social media audience. And I don't think that's a, uh, what's the word, aberration? Is that a good word, hon? That's a good word. What's that mean? Aberration. Like a one-off. Yeah, it's not a one-off because I've talked to other authors and they've had the same experience. I've talked to people who... You know, aren't promoting books, they're promoting something else, product or service. Social media usually isn't the number one way that they grow their revenue or grow their audience. So don't make the mistake of falling into the trap of looking at that first. And all that takes time, and it's a little bit of a marathon, not a sprint. So there are really no quick fixes in this whole new kind of new normal with the corona economy. Um, you know, this is the part where some people are going to listen to this and say, eh, I don't have time to do all that. And I would tell you, busy people make time. If you care enough, uh, you'll make time. You'll find the time to do it. You know, and there's one thing that everyone has a little bit more of these days is what? Time. Yeah. So if you're not essential and you're required to shelter in place and you normally have a job you commute to, you just... I'm trying to overcome your objections Objections here. You just found 40 minutes a day, a little more. The average commute time in the United States is 22 minutes. Did you know that, hon? I didn't. How long is your commute to work? 35 minutes. 35 minutes. So uh, there are people who are above average. You're above average, hon. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And there are other people who are below, but the average is 22 minutes. That's about 45 minutes a day that you could devote to something else because you're not commuting. Uh, how many meetings would you sit in over the course of like an average week before the whole sheltering in place thing? Bef before coronavirus? Yeah, pre-corona, PC, pre-corona. Uh, three to four. About like an hour or so each? Yeah. Okay. Um, so what's happening now is there aren't as many physical meetings, and you're finding out that a lot of those, you're like, oh, boy, that meeting could have just been an email. Well, those meetings are becoming emails. So you're getting a couple hours a week back not going to meetings. Virtual meetings tend not to drag on as long either. Um, so you've got time to devote to it. The question is, are you going to do it? Or are you going to watch cat videos and take pictures of food and post that on Facebook? So um, there is one thing I would recommend you not do when it comes to residual income. What's that, Coach Brew? Hashtag smart ass wife. <laughs> um, 
for the, this is like my public service announcement. Let me get up on my soapbox here. For the love of all things holy, people, do not. I repeat, do not. Quincy, are you listening? Good. Do not join like some multi-level marketing, air quotes, business opportunity, uh, also known as a direct sales company, also known as a freaking pyramid scheme. Like, what are, what are some of those ridiculous ones that come to mind? Like the crazy candle people? What else? That's the only one I could think of. Like selling nutraceuticals. Yeah. Soap. Like in the old days, it was the fuller brush salesperson. Tupperware. Tupperware. All that stuff, you know? Um, don't do that. And here's why. 73% of people who participate in network marketing opportunities, wait for it, wait for it, Lose money or make no money. 73. That's almost half. Wait. What is, I told you I wasn't good at math, hon. 73 is almost, 73% is almost what? Three quarters. Yeah, three quarters. There you go. Uh, just don't fall for that because like they're, those companies are kind of predatory right now because they know people need money and they know they're stuck at home. So just don't do that. Um, do we have other we have other questions, right? What's what's next on your? Uh, you have us on a very tight schedule, and you've got, and you're almost like the the judge who's got a docket of cases here. Hammer the gavel and move us along here. Alrighty. So, so um, I know that nobody really knows, but at some point, quarantine's going to be lifted. Things open up. This will this will dissipate a little bit, but. What's going to happen then? Well, um, funny you mentioned that, Mrs. Coach Brew. That was a reader question, right? Yeah. Well, I just so happens I took a deep dive addressing this exact issue, as well as some of the other ones that are posed here. Uh, last Sunday night on my monthly video conference with my beloved underdogs, my membership community, um, you can take a look at that opportunity to join yesterdaysunderdog.com. Check it out. Um, you might want to do that sooner rather than later because the price is going to jump from $49 a month up to $99 on May 1st. That's soon. That's soon. It's yeah. Like really soon. Yeah. So uh, jump on it. But in all seriousness, we, we did an hour long video. Me, uh, we do a monthly video conference. This was the topic. <clears throat> Excuse me, furball. Uh, the short answer for you right now is some industries will flat out die. You know, the movie theater business comes to mind. They've already been closing permanently in a lot of places in the U.S. And um, so that's one sector. Another one, I think there will be a huge number, huge, bigly number of small private colleges. Uh, that are going to die. They're already on their deathbed bleeding out. And this is just going to expose them and just kind of accelerate. Talking about flattening the curve, this is going to accelerate the curve of small, private, tuition-driven colleges with little endowment money that just need to go away permanently. So um, that's the short answer like in terms of what will die. I think uh, other industries are going to have like a partial rebound 
And the reason I say partial is I don't think people, and I'd love to get your take on this, Mrs. Coach Bro. I don't think people, once the ban has been lifted, will be so quick to uh, assemble en masse in large crowds or confined spaces where uh, people congregate. Um, I think most people will be a bit gun shy. Uh, would you classify me or categorize me as being germ phobic? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like my germ phobic self, for example, isn't going to be rushing out to go to a music festival. I agree with that. Yeah. Or a crowded theater. Yep. Um, so w- what's, what's your take on that? You think most people will be fairly gun shy and then other idiots will just rush out and shake hands and hug everybody and... Yeah, I think there'll be two camps. I just don't know the percentages in each. But it feels like people will there'll be very little in the middle. Mm-hmm. And either people, the band gets lifted and out they go as if nothing happened, or they'll be really gun shy. I think my listeners are really smart. So they're going to, I mean, obviously they listen to me. They're going to fall in that conservative camp because they're smart enough to realize, hey, you know what? I don't think I want to be sitting next to a complete stranger in a crowded bar while he's like sneezing or blowing his nose, you know? Um, so my prediction is like, you'll see places like restaurants, theaters, concert venues, conferences at maybe 60, 70% capacity. How do you feel about that number? Yeah, that React sounds, to me. 60. That sounds about right. So, um, that's my prediction with that. That's a great question. What, what's next? Mrs. At, at Mrs. Coach Brew, is that your uh, Instagram or your Twitter handle? Yeah, because I check Twitter all the time. Yeah. 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 So, um, well, I mean, it's this is kind of what we were just talking about, right? So, will people, like, go back in and land grab, or are people going to, like, just slowly come back out? They're going to take small steps, kind of test the ice, see where things are going? Well, I look at that last one as kind of like a little bit more of a micro example that I gave, this one would be a bit more macro. Um, my answer is yes and yes. How's that for a non-committal sort of political answer? It's a nice yeah. hedge. Um, thank you. That's what she said. You can stop with that joke. It's a Michael, what's his name from The Office? Anyway. What's his name? I don't know. Michael, yeah. Uh, Steve Carell as that Michael guy from The Office. So anyway, recent history and our very stupid 24-hour news cycle have perfectly demonstrated that not just Americans, but uh, not just humans, but also our politicians uh, have very short memories. And uh, I think a lot of people will rush back into, into the fray. Others, you know, the smart ones, will proceed with a bit more caution. Um. Yeah, like, think about this. George W. Bush, and this isn't a political rant. It's just a uh, a state of, you know, the, the affairs of our country and our collective mentality. In 2005, George W. Bush spoke about, you know, pandemics. And while we weren't experiencing one, we needed to be prepared in the event of one. That was 15 years ago, and nothing's been done. So this thing's going to blow over, and people forget about it, and that kind of scares me. Next question. So I know there's government small business loans. Yep. Am I stupid if I don't take one, if I don't think I really need it? Um, 
I think it's quite to the contrary. Like unnecessary debt is never smart. If you don't need it, why would you go into debt? But I think, you know, what, and this is what I'm advising my coaching clients to do. Like, what do they say? The time to buy a car is when you don't need a car. You know, because you're not desperate. You're not rolling into the lot with smoke pouring out of the hood. And, you know, that's when the salespeople, like, are, are sharks. They smell blood in the water. Like, they know they have you over a barrel. Well, the time to get a loan is when you don't need a loan. And everyone's trying to get a loan now, and everybody seems to need a loan. Yeah. Uh, take out a line of credit for your business before a crisis hits and be drawing from it fairly regularly because, you know, the best time to get a line of credit or a loan is when you don't need it. Exactly. Next. What if I can predict I'm going to need money like in a certain amount of time? Like say, I know that I'm good now, but in 12 months, I'm going to need it. And if the economy's still slipping and things are still rough, I'm going to need it even more. Well, um, hindsight is, as they say, it's always 2020. So, like, first of all, 12 months from now feels like a year or a decade or an eternity. Two weeks from now feels like yeah. a year. Um, but, you know, a year from now is going to be here before we know it. And this is sort of the macro part of all this. Like, there are all these pundits predicting what the uh, – what the uh, economic growth pattern is going to look like when we rebound after the quarantine and all this. And some say the graph, the economy is going to be shaped like a V. We had a very steep downward uh, dip. And then, you know, sort of the first stroke of that was almost like falling off a vertical cliff with, you know, the, the pen. And it's going to ramp back up to where it was before. Others, you know, the doom and gloom prognosticators are going to say that economic graph is going to look more like an L and uh, it's gone straight down, and we're in for a long, ugly recession bordering on the next Great Depression with bread lines and you know, the gas lines of the 70s and blah, 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 like stuff like that. I actually think it's going to look more like a, uh, when we look back on 2020, it's going to look more like the letter W. And here's what I mean by that. So we had that, like, that initial stroke of the pen going down, and when the uh, quarantine is uplifted, it's going to come back up a bit, you know, not all the way up to where it was. But as you said, there's a possibility with this virus that goes away for the summer. And then what? Fall hits and a, sep- a second, a second pandemic, like Wait, like a second wave, a second this. wave. Yeah, yeah. Which is exactly what happened with the 1918 flu. Okay. Um, so there's a distinct possibility we might be re-quarantining. Yeah, a good possibility. So you're going to see that dip kind of come down as you're finishing writing the letter W, so to speak, on the graph. And then when that ends, like it's going to go right back up. Yeah. yeah, Because non-essentials will go back to work, you know. Uh, so I think it's going to look more like a W than an L or a V. And uh, that's why. But there's no like accurate test. You can't predict that. You know, all the more reason to have a line of credit and be drawn from it here and there. Yeah. Uh, what else do you have on the docket there? I Judge. Just, just notice for the first time the phrase hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. We really want 2020 as, as our hindsight. Yeah, 2020. Yeah. Um, Not just the vision, but the calendar here. So thinking about clouds and silver lining, there is a possibility that, you know, after 9-11, we were just talking about this this morning when yeah. everybody was 
nicer to each other for a while mm-hmm. and civility increased. So do you think that this could positively shape the country? And so I think there's always advantage to adversity. There's always uh, like your greatest weakness become can become your greatest strength. And this whole thing reminds me, and it's very 9-11-esque. Um, it's not terrorism. It's a, it's a virus. But um, sort of the country's ethos got shaped by 9-11. The country's ethos and esprit de, esprit de corps. Uh, I'm throwing around big words like it's my job. Anyway. Not all of them are English. No. Um, it's already been shaped by this coronavirus and the, the quarantine. And you know, I think you're already seeing like the left and the right aren't arguing with each other nearly as much. People are just kinder. They're sharing resources. Um, you know, shout out to uh, Nicole Detling, who is a uh, colleague and friend in Salt Lake City, Utah. She was telling me the other day, like a lot of her neighbors, one of her neighbors put a big laundry basket on their front porch. And I've seen this actually in our community too now, it's, but she brought it to my attention. And there's like rolls of toilet paper, hand sanitizer, soap, paper towels, you know, like different things. Um, if someone needed something, you know, food, they could take from the basket. And if they had something to add to it, they could add to it as well. Um, so like that wasn't happening before all this. It was, it was unheard of that your neighbor would like sort of help serve as a uh, impromptu food pantry, you know. Um, but what it's also done is it's really this whole situation has um, exposed how fragile our supply chain is. You know, this international dependence. Oh, the natives are restless. We have someone coming downstairs. Um, yes, the children have found our secret hiding place in the bunker. Um, Julia, you want to say hi to everybody? Do you? This is my podcast, Julia. Hello. <laughs> How are you? And let's, 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 we're just talking about like, um, come on, have a seat. We're talking about. Julia's as extroverted as I am. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about how, um, the quarantine has sort of changed the way people treat each other, you know, and like you're sheltering in place, but like, are you seeing people being nicer to each other, like online, whether it's in your classes, like your little video conferences you do or your group chats, like are people kind of nicer? Um, I guess, but it's kind of awkward. Everyone seems kind of weirded out. Weirded out? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause you don't know what's going to happen next and you're in middle school. Which is like, isn't everyone awkward in middle school for the most part? Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, ex- except for you. I guess. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think people of all ages are just being nicer to each other for the most part. But, it, you know, it's also, as I was saying before, we were uh, so kindly interrupted by our child. Uh, like, it's exposed how fragile our supply chain is. And like we've been dependent internationally, like on China for cheap slave labor and low prices from that communist regime. And also, uh, you know, they manufacture most of our medicine. So I think you're going to see manufacturing return to the States, uh, even if it's just pharmaceuticals. I'd love to get your take on this, Mrs. Coach Brew. Even if it's just like pharmaceuticals and medical devices, right? And kind of the adjacent industries, would you say? Yeah, that's harder for me to predict. I, I really don't know. We'll talk a little bit about the kind of the need and the shortage. This is someone who's like boots on the ground, on the front lines, 
Well, the personal protective equipment, the masks and all that kind of stuff. There's there's a significant need for that, but I think that's that's pretty well known. Did I forget to mention everybody? My wife's a physician. No, you put that okay. in. Okay. Yeah. All right. And she works in a hospital system. So, what's the PPE situation? What's that stand for anyway? Personal protective equipment. Okay. Yep. It's uh it's pretty pretty lacking. We're having to to change our policies and uh do more with less in order to try to keep people as protected as possible for the long term. Yeah. So uh, so if nothing else like I think this is all proof that manufacturing could and should come back to the states in certain cases and you know not being dependent on foreign entities for things like i actually believe that there will be a renewed enthusiasm and a willingness to pay a little more for made in the us products and i'll be talking more about that on another episode and making some product recommendations uh, as well but um and if we do all that the economy can't slip and actually we're going to gain that traction that that our uh, reader was asking about uh, moving along, I mean, we're already at like the fifty-minute mark here. What, what what do you have next on the on the agenda, as they say in Maine? So this has been going on like four weeks now for us here, mm-hmm. and uh, I think the readers' experience is my experience is, is a shared experience. And that in the beginning, I was all focus. I could really buckle down, and I could I could I was actually probably more productive than I was before, but that's really waning and. I'm losing focus. So how do I continue to kind of get my work done as I need to? Is willy willy waning? Is willy waning hard? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like everyone's working remotely, and you know, I've heard this from a lot of people. Their focus is just dwindling, um, and this speaks to a broader issue. Yeah, I, I think work-life balance in general became an endangered species the day the personal computer became commonplace in homes, and that was back in the late '80s. And it became extinct the day high-speed internet kind of became the norm in most homes in the 2000s. I mean, there are literally generations of people, two generations, right, who um, don't know life pre-internet, right? You got millennials, and what's after millennials? Gen Gen Z. Gen Z, yeah. so since then, what we needed now, what we need more than ever is a work-life balance. It's work-life boundaries. So being the kind, benevolent leader that I am, I've assembled some tips for you when it comes to work-life boundaries. Drum roll. Yeah. Can I hear him? Yeah, drum roll. Can I get a drum roll? There we go. All right, number one, wake up at the same time. I'm so glad my daughter's here to hear this. Where's the other one? Don't go wake her up if she's still asleep. But I'm glad you're here to hear this because this is also for you in addition to my listeners. Number one, wake up at the same time and go to bed at the same time you did before all this. Number two, create a designated work area in your home if you don't have an actual home office set up. Do not use your couch, recliner, bed, or anywhere else where there is a television in plain sight. Number three, dress up. You've done a good job of this, Julia. 
get out of your PJs, sweatpants, and casual sort of around-the-house clothes. Dress like you're headed to the office. That includes your hair, makeup, shaving your face. That doesn't really apply to the men. That applies to the, or the women. That applies to the men. Uh, shaving your face, putting your shoes on, all that stuff. Dress up like you're going to work because you are going to work. Number four, start and end your work day as close to normal as possible. And I understand uh, kids doing their schoolwork via distance learning and being home with you can throw a wrench in that, but try and keep it as uh, close to your normal work day as possible. Uh, number five, take breaks. Do you take breaks at all, hon? Yeah. Okay, not just lunch. Yeah, I take little ones. Even if it's just like a minute or two to just kind of recenter and ground yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, take breaks. Don't have lunch at your desk. Get out of your designated work area. You know, like I look at it kind of like working smarter, not harder. I think when you work smarter, you actually are working harder. Uh, set a timer. Maybe work for 50 minutes and the timer goes off. Take a 10-minute walk. If you can't get outside, walk around your apartment, walk around your house. If you can, Walk around your yard, you know, um, and repeat that hourly. Uh, next, what number are we on? Four, five, six. Begin your day with gratitude and end it um, by documenting. I like the number three. Uh, three successes you had, no matter how small. Keep it in a journal. Uh, the journal I recommend is my daily game plan, which is available at coachbrew.com is both a scheduling tool and a gratitude journal. <clears throat> I think the reason that's important to have a paper journal, not just an app, is when you close that journal, you are leaving your work and your work problems behind literally and figuratively. Like think boundaries, people. You're closing the book on your day. And I think there's a lot of value to that. Mrs. Coach Brew, tell everybody how you sort of close the book on your day when you pull into the garage at night. This is fabulous, fabulous strategy that anyone can use. Depending on a day, the amount of time I need to decompress from work before entering home changes. And so if it's not enough time on that commute home, I'll sit in the car for a little bit, think through the day, decompress from it, and then leave it in the car and shut the door on it so that when I come inside, all that work stuff's in the car and I can just be home. Then you can do a little bloop bloop with the lock and lock your problems in the car. I like that. It's very symbolic, uh, but also you don't let it... It's a boundary. That's why I love that. It's a boundary. Yep. I didn't realize you were doing that until one day... um, when I was in the laundry room, which is next to the door that went into the garage, I heard the car pull in, but then I didn't hear you get out and come in the house. And I just saw you sitting in the car, staring through the windshield like a deranged lunatic, like some kind of psychopath, just staring. I tried to get your attention. You didn't see me, and then you finally, like I finally knocked on the window. I don't know if you remember this, and you just held up one finger, like "Wait a minute, wait a minute," and pointed, like "Go back inside." And that's when you explained to me you'd been doing this forever. 
which also shows how oblivious your husband is to stuff. Do you remember that? I don't remember that specific no. time. Uh, but I love that strategy, and that's something anyone can do. Um, we had another question. This one, I think, looks like it came from an educator. Yeah, it does. And uh, it's something that strikes home. So a lot of us with older kids have kids that are missing. They're, They're missing? They're missing children? <laughs> well, there's that, too. They're not missing enough. <laughs> not like back of a milk carton missing? <laughs> no. But they're missing out on rites of passage that we all remember and look back on fondly, especially those seniors in high school. So how can we honor that? Rites of passage. I immediately had a flashback to like being hazed, getting a swirly. Not that kind of All right. Like prom. good rites of passage. Yeah, prom, like what? Your, prom, your senior sports season, graduation. Yeah. Um. This person also, I think, it was a uh, a coach and an athletic administrator. He was asking about his coaches too, or something, right? It's a two part question. Yeah, the coaches are losing a season too, and you know, if you have a a really strong team coming back, and you had an anticipation and expectation for a season, and now that mm-hmm. season's not happening, it kind of yeah. kind of hurts. So this is actually a uh, a solution for everybody. So if you're a non academic. Uh, you can substitute st- what? Yeah, you can substitute the word student and replace it with employee and coach with boss. I think the big thing that you you need to do is you need to stay top of mind with your people, you know, with your students, your employees. Um, a great person to follow on all this on social media who does this really well is a member of my membership community, Adam Todd. He's the head women's lacrosse coach at State University of New York at Canton, SUNY Canton. And uh, he's always like posting, even before all this, posting uh, happy birthday announcements you know, about each of his players, tagging their teammates and coaches in the posts. He's now doing this 30 for 30, 30-day uh, 30 um, you know, kind of coping with self-quarantine strategy, a different strategy every day. Got picked up by uh, you know a local newspaper in Watertown, New York, near where he lives. But um, you know things like that, just involving everyone in different ways. You know, uh, sending a virtual high five, start a group text. You know, I think everybody, kids are already on group text. Make it a team text. Make it a you know a productive one, as opposed to just a little click. And you can, uh, what some schools are doing that I really like, because you can't watch live sports, they're doing replays of like the, you know, the state tournament from last year or highlight videos from what little season they had in the spring before it got cut short. So you can make a watch party out of that on Facebook or YouTube or Instagram. So why not do that? You know, Uh, focus on the positive. The other thing is, does your state association allow for virtual workouts? cool thing you can take from my personal trainer is um, he has his clients in groups of four, like small kind of like boot camp things. And we video conference on Zoom at the normal time of our normal in-person workout. You could do that too. Make it fun, right? Uh, another thing you can do, the virtual award ceremony. A lot of schools like miss their end of the season awards banquet, their spring sports banquet. Um, if you don't know how to do it, ask your students. They're more tech savvy than the adults. They could probably organize the whole thing. But um, 
You know, invite the parents. You could have a virtual master of ceremonies, a guest speaker. If you're listening to this and you're going to do this, I am actually happy to donate my services to be a guest speaker at your virtual awards banquet. Um, you know, have the coaches speak. You can mail them their varsity letters and awards in the mail. And then alternately, for when this is uplifted, plan on holding an actual in-person event in the summer or do both. I mean, you could do it outside and have a barbecue. And if you had to have people six feet apart, you could still do that, you know. Uh, but here's the big thing. I think, um, and I hope my daughter's listening to this one, <clears throat> I think you remind them that it's a best case scenario that they're missing their graduation. The ceremony, I mean, (laughs) because otherwise that would mean you failed your classes and will have to be back on campus repeating this year, next year. Nobody wants to do that. So yeah, um, do that zoom team meetings. I mentioned in in here uh, on a related note, I think you want to provide proper perspective for them, for your students, for your people, if you're at a company, uh, because the younger generation really kind of lack context and any sense of historical perspective. Actually, most people do other than like, if you were around for the, uh, was the, the flu pandemic in 1918? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's around for that. But so does it suck for these kids? Yeah, sure. Is it tragic? No is not tragic. And the reason I mention this is I've been hearing student athletes refer to the cancellation of their season as air quotes, extreme loss. I'm sorry. Nothing extreme about that kids. It's a loss. Get used to it. That's life. Like there will be losses. It's nothing more than a loss. An extreme loss would be death of a parent, a child or loved one. Uh, And then, you know, what's happening in a lot of places right now is the inability to even be with them in their last moments because they're quarantined in a hospital emergency room. So yeah, you lost your graduation, your prom, your senior trip. I get that. But, um, you know, one of my readers uh, had messaged me and he said, regarding all that, uh, Gaddy Edelman said, Thousands of high school seniors had their senior summer ruined between the years of 1964 and 1975 when they were sent to a country called Vietnam and never returned. Yeah, so think about that. Like for a lot of kids, their spring trip was to Vietnam after their senior year of high school. So um, that's some instant perspective for everybody. And then, you know, regarding your coaches, uh, coaches love to kind of bleed on each other, so to speak, you know, after they lose a game or celebrate the wins together, you know, in their department. So maybe host a virtual happy hour, like I mentioned earlier, uh, which is something I do every Thursday at five. Uh, You could do a virtual book club for them, uh, utilizing books that'll help them become better leaders. Uh, I could recommend a few of those. Go to coachbrew.com slash books. Um, see what I just did there, hon? Yeah. Yeah. Virtual staff meetings with guest speakers. I'd be happy to donate my services for that to record those. So if anyone misses it live, they can watch the replay. Um, yeah. And feel free to message me for more suggestions on that. If you're in, you know, coach or you're in higher ed, uh, we get the next question I think is really important. You went a little dark there. Well, it was instant perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go a little light. 
Okay. All right. So how about the use of humor and levity and just brightening people's days? Where does that come in? Uh, anything. It needs to come in immediately. It needs to come in everywhere. This is extremely important. I don't want anyone to underestimate this. I think everyone needs a little positive distraction because really we're in a grind, you know? Um, I mean, it's your quarantine, the day-to-day monotony of things. It's getting crazy. Like you're isolated. It gets so bad Saturday night. My wife set up a DWI checkpoint between the kitchen and the living room. For myself. Yeah. <laughs> For some of us here. Uh, but like you're watching the media, there's all this fear porn, as I call it, but like fear mongering because like they're in the business of eyes and attention and page views and click throughs. So I just stop watching the news 24 seven, start doing fun things, you know, music. There are tons of free online live concerts by favorite artists on their Facebook pages or YouTube channels, comedy shows. I can recommend a couple great ones. Um, Two new comedy specials that I love that are free on YouTube are Blowing Light by Giannis Pappas and I Got This by Sam Morrill. Uh, Plus, there are a million other ones on Netflix. But if you don't have Netflix, there's lots of free stuff on YouTube. Um, Fiction books provide a nice escape. Any kind of entertainment, hobbies, recreation. If you're at home with your kids, watching your kids or your grandchildren play, assuming they're in your household, that's like, from the mouth of babes, is that the old expression, hon? Yep. And just seeing what your kids do and say can be hilarious. Um, and for music, I have a Spotify playlist. If you want to uh, check that out, it's called Beyond Stadium Status. And it consists of the artists featured in my new book, Beyond Stadium Status. Yep. Um, surprise. I've got a sequel to Stadium Status. Did you know that, hon? I've heard that. Did you know it was available for pre-order now? Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. At beyondstadiumstatus.com. Dot com. And do you know there are fabulous prizes you're instantly eligible for? And are they truly fabulous? They are one-of-a-kind collectible prizes. I believe that. And do you know what they are? I don't. Uh, the grand prize is a autographed vintage air guitar. Air guitars are back. They are, yeah. Um, you can learn more about that. The you know kind of the origin story of this particular air guitar at beyondstadiumstatus.com. I'm not kidding. Uh, second prize is a rotary phone. And third prize, show me the money. Third prize, $50 gift card. Cool. Two bucks. Just a gift card? Just for yeah, anything? It's two somewhere. Ah, two. Blockbuster video, baby. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So one-of-a-kind collectible prizes. Please be kind and rewind. Exactly. Or there'll be a fine. I'm not kidding. Check it out, beyondstadiumstatus.com. It's available for pre-order. Um, talk about comedy shows. Uh, you could follow Coach Randall, my alter ego, at the Coach Randall for a good laugh or two on Twitter. And, uh, Yeah. The next one, we got another question from the peanut gallery. So what if during this time of coronavirus, I'm actually job hunting? You're job hunting. Yeah. I feel for you. I think it's a tough time to be in the job market, uh, certain industries, and it just might get tougher, you know. Um, But there are opportunities 
in certain industries uh, deemed essential. Yeah, the example I like to give would be uh, look at industrial cleaning companies. They're thriving right now. You know, every college campus and corporate building is going to need to be deep cleaned before they're re-inhabited, you know, post-quarantine. And those companies need salespeople, customer service people, boots-on-the-ground workers. You know, before, uh, this is probably six weeks ago, right when corona was just sort of starting to become a thing uh, nationally and schools were closing, uh, I was on my way. Uh, I had just finished teaching my class at the college uh, Wednesday night. I stopped my favorite uh, little, little bar and grill to grab a salad for dinner. And the bartender came over to me and said, um, and, and just hands me my usual. You know what that is, right? My usual beverage of choice. The Bud Light. Yeah, Bud Light Draft. And um, Julia knew that one. She's like, this one's uh, on the house. I'm like, you never buy me a beer. What are you talking about? She's like, well, I didn't buy it for you. See that guy over there? He bought the house around the drinks. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. That's nice of him. And then I looked around, and there are only four of us in the whole establishment. So if there were ever a time to, quote, buy the house around the drinks, it would be when there are only like three or four people there. So I go over to him. I said, hey, thanks. Uh, he's like, oh, you're welcome. I said, what are we celebrating? He's sitting there with his wife. He's like, oh, uh, I just landed. I just landed the, the uh, cleaning contract for the whole State University of New York system. And like, that's a big university, a public university system. I'm like, that's like, what, 30 campuses, roughly? He's like, yeah, 27, just the colleges, not the community colleges, universities. So every dorm, every administrative building, library, every classroom, every facility, this one small business owner landed that contract. So even like there's certain industries, certain companies that are thriving, are hiring. His wife's a teacher's assistant. She's obviously been furloughed. Now she's going to work for him. You know, um, so that's an opportunity. Look at like like industrial cleaning industry, for example. And then, uh, you know, other things for quick cash, you know, especially like if you're a server or a bartender or something, you've been furloughed. Sign up to be an Uber Eats driver, Instacart, DoorDash, food, Whole Foods, they all deliver. Be a delivery driver. Uh, Instacart is hiring 300,000 new workers to fill need right now. So there's that. Uh, another thing you can do is kind of like uh, flipping a house, so to speak, but with products. Uh, sell items you already own, don't use or need. Do it on eBay, uh, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist. Um, and another thing is you could buy things secondhand, clean them up and sell them for a profit. Flip it, you know. Uh, and then here is, I think, the most brilliant business model that costs nothing to start up. You could literally start this up today. Here in northern New England, the ground's finally thawing. But what else does that mean, hon? What else is thawing? All the dog poop. Yep. All the little landmines people's dogs have left in their yards all winter long because it's frozen to the ground, too hard to pick up. So you could start a business scooping poop from other people's yards. 20 bucks a yard or more, depending on the size of the yard or the number of dogs. You can figure that out on your own. Put them on a regular schedule, like every week or two. And yeah, the first appointment is going to be more labor and time intensive, but 
they're probably going to be so appreciative that this will be kind of like one of those continuity programs I talked about earlier. Like you can get them on a regular schedule. And if you got five yards a day at 20 bucks a day, that's 500 bucks a week for not a whole lot of time. Two, two grand a month, 12 grand a year. And if you did that work before nine or after five. Wait, wait, wait. Let's yeah. check your math. Yeah, go ahead. Two grand a month. Yeah. How much is that a year? 24. There sorry. you go. Okay. Um, <laughs> there are two things I'm not good at, math and anyway. Math. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you did that before nine or after five, you could work another job. So I bet you're wondering, hmm, is there a market for this? I was wondering that. Well, I'll let you do the math on this one, Mrs. Coach Brew. There are 73 million dogs in the United States. And do you have any guess how much? Ask Julia. Julia, do you have any guess how much the average dog produces in poop a year? How much poop? Um, Pounds. Ten. Ten? How about 275 pounds of poop a year? That's pretty gross. So if you did the math on that, and I actually got out a calculator, my abacus, and I did this, um, that's more than 20 billion pounds of poop in the U.S. alone. That's a shitload of poop. Indeed. So what do you do with all the poop after you scoop it? Well, there's actually a device that you could use to power your household appliances with. There's an article on my blog, coachbrew.com slash blog. Um, in that article, there's a link to an article in Fast Company Magazine. Don't throw out your poop. It's now a valuable natural resource. So there's that. I want to give extra bonus points to anyone. Whoever does this, I will send a free copy of all of my books. And when the new one is released, you'll get that one too. If you start this business and name it Call of Duty and your business slogan is, we're number one in the number two business, I'll give you a copy of all my books. I haven't seen the Call of Duty. I think I've seen a number one in the Call number two. Call of Duty, D-O-O-D-Y. I got it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, now, if you don't want to touch that business model, literally... You can also get paid to donate a number of things. Plasma, eggs, sperm. So there's that too. <laughs> Do we have any other questions? I think we're starting to wind down here. What else do we got? Well, there's a lot of people who uh, feel the crisis, right? And they want to do something extra and unexpected for their customers. Yep. Something that no one else will do. But your readers themselves are listening, are living paycheck to paycheck. So there isn't a lot of extra cash. So how can they do something extra without spending a lot of extra money? That's a tough question. I'll take a stab at it, to quote OJ. Um, I'd need to know the nuances of your industry and your competitors to really be able to kind of dial this thing in. But a couple things come to mind. You know, um, this is almost like a buying group, if you will. Uh, You do partnerships via fusion marketing. And that would be just like creating a synergy with your other vendors, your customers, the other vendors your customers use. You could all offer your customers some sort of special deal. And the nice thing about that is you wouldn't be stepping on each other's toes. It wouldn't be a conflict of interest because you all serve that customer of yours 
in different ways. Plus, you'd be helping each other get in the door of prospective customers you aren't already doing business with yet. So let's say you sell industrial air filters for like HVAC units. Someone selling that same office complex, light bulbs. So you and that vendor get together, create a special deal along with some other vendors, you know, whoever sells like, uh, like the water coolers, all that stuff. Like think about the average office. There are multiple, multiple vendors. So you can do that and at a minimum discounts, inserts in each, each other's product shipments. You know, here's a coupon for light bulbs with your air filter shipment and they would send a coupon for air filters and their light bulb shipment. So fusion marketing. Now I think the, the key nuance to this is you want to spearhead this. You want to own the network, so to speak, and you want to handpick who becomes a strategic partner and who doesn't because you don't want a dead wood. Another thing you could do, hon, you still with me over there? I'm here. Are you having fun yet? I'm listening. Are you having fun? Oh, it's a blast. Hashtag sarcasm. Um, you could waive shipping or at least offer it to them at your cost. Pass on some of the savings to the customer. Uh, you could discount. You give a discount for prepayment in full on orders. I think it's hugely important. You know, if you're cash flowing right now because um, people prepay, you don't have to like chase them down for collection. It also makes it harder for them to cancel an order or shipment because they've already paid. And next would be uh, giving a discount for long-term contracts. You know, someone might be you know working with you on a month-to-month basis. Put them on an annual plan. Incentivize that. You, know, you lock in a customer long term. You know, um, an example I'd like to give. This is a little more outside of the box. Is uh, during the recession, two thousand eight, uh, somebody owns a uh, large commercial real estate business here in Maine. Hired a, a business coach or consultant um, to do some consulting for each tenant's business. This is the difference between being proactive and being reactive. And I think this is a genius move because the intent was to help each of those tenants grow their business during the Great Recession. And if the property owner was able to not have the tenants default on rent payment or uh, ask for deferment or try and renegotiate terms for a discounted rent rate, that was a win. And it was, you know, he could probably write off that consulting to something else in his business. But I think there's probably a variation of that that a lot of people can employ to be proactive with your customers so they don't cancel. They don't uh, ask for different terms, you know. Uh, I mean, any of you want to do that whole consulting route, I'm available. We got a, do we have a healthcare question yeah, coming I was reading up here? this one this one yeah. struck close to home so a, a reader of yours who's a nurse uh, asked you this question uh, that nurse said that they're not a marketing expert but the biggest need identified was to have everyone else understand that they need to be responsible for their own medical information and health history now can you explain what she means by that <clears throat> 
Like how many people come see you and they don't know exactly like what medication they're on, how long, uh, how many milligrams, that kind of stuff. Is that what she's talking about? You should talk about that. Yep. So you come into the hospital and you're sick and you're not feeling well. And with often somebody's coming with that patient and can kind of fill in details for the healthcare people taking care of that patient. But now that's not allowed. The patients have to be alone. There's no visitors. They can't come with anyone. It's really a uh, empty, stark place. So there's nobody else that we can reach out to in person to help round out that health history for the patient. So we really need people, individuals, to to know what they're taking, to know why they're taking it, to understand their health history, and really help their own cause. So this is feeling like little public service announcement in the middle of your yeah but this is a very timely need like you talk about we talk about the service master example the industrial cleaning guy you know like even during a pandemic there are certain businesses services products solutions that fill a real need in the marketplace and a lot like a lot of success is timing this is the perfect time for this don't you think yeah yeah. Take, um, take a picture of each pill bottle you have and keep it on a separate file on your phone. When you go in, you can just show everybody. Yeah. And if, if you're more of a paper and pen kind of person. Keep a list in your wallet. Yeah. Members of the older persuasion might be like this. Or uh, if you have a family member who you know falls into that category, you go to that article, um, coachbrew.com slash blog. There's a link to a workbook. I think it's like 25 bucks. But it's kind of a one-stop go-to document to keep all your medical information, uh, to share during appointments. And I want everyone to know I'm not an affiliate. I don't receive a penny for any purchases of this. I'm just sharing to help you help a loved one uh, during a tough time. And this is uh, a workbook made by a doctor and a nurse, uh, Sarah Stevens, who you know, hon. Charlie's mom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's a great resource. Check it out. And there's another question. Shifting gears. Shifting gears. So you have your underdogs. Yes. My beloved membership community. The whole idea behind an underdog is that it's an unexpected good outcome yep. from somebody that maybe would surprise you. So we're looking for reasons to persevere through this. What do you got for us? Well, last year I wrote a daily email. Uh, it's just about every day until late in the year. I got that neck injury and that really kind of cramped my style. I uh, couldn't sit in front of a keyboard. So I am posting more frequently. It might not be daily. Uh, there's simply not enough time. But um, so you have that if you're on my list. If you're not on my list, go to coachbrew.com, sign up at the top of the page. Uh, But then also, I've got this podcast, and we do share plenty of stories of hope, positivity, lessons, uh, things that will give you strength to persevere, interviews with different leaders and entrepreneurs and interesting, just interesting people that uh, aren't famous and you probably haven't heard of, but you should because they're doing great things. Um, And then also, uh, I've founded a lifestyle apparel brand that kind of speaks to this very subject. We'll talk more about that in the coming months. But yeah, I think the first jumping off point would be getting on my list, coachbrew.com. So 
We got one more. This is the final is question a, this here. Is, this is a big one, though. Oh, well, save the best for last. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we going to do to just get the market economy back up and running? Yeah, so what's your biggest need was the question I posed to my ah, readers. And this you. person said, get the market, get the economy back up and running. So, I, I, and this is a response from a realtor. But my answer actually applies to everyone. Okay, uh, some markets, some industries actually running just fine. Others are booming, but most, like real estate, kind of in that holding pattern. So my best advice is, well, I can't get the market back up and running for you. And I might add, neither can any politicians or a uh, guy in a White House in Washington. Uh, and the, the Fed printing more money won't get the market back up and running for you but you can get your market back up and running. And here's what I mean. It's an old phrase, repair your roof while the sun is shining. So in other words, I talked about this a little earlier. You got the benefit of free time right now. And so do your past clients. So uh, let's crunch some numbers here. I did a little research. A realtor, for example, your average take home on a single transaction is $8,678. But... The average lifetime value of a real estate client is $45,052.68. Now, that's based on, among other things, like the, the, the number of referrals and being a repeat client. Most people don't just buy one house over the course of a lifetime, you know. Um, so there's kind of seeing the big picture and the long game. You're not making one transaction. You're, making, you're building a relationship that will lead to much more. But people are so busy in every industry just finding new clients, new customers. They don't think about the value of their existing customer base. So it, let me get up on my soapbox here. It behooves you, my dear listener, to stay top of mind with your clients and prospects. Because after all this is said and done, especially real estate, like there'll be people who need to downsize their homes. Others will have to sell, and there will be others still who are making freaking money hand over fist, and some folks are. They're going to want what? They're probably going to want investment properties that they can get a great deal on right now, and they might want like a second home, like a waterfront home somewhere, a vacation home, a beach house, uh, a cabin in the woods, you know? Um, So with that in mind, I would also say expect to see... Um, oh God, the dog just farted. Oof. I'd also say like, depending on what market you're in, expect to see an influx of people fleeing major cities to live in more rural areas. So it's sort of taking a look at the big picture and then the immediate update your freaking website, especially your professional photo. If it's from a decade ago, or your hair is a different color, or you've lost or gained weight, you've lost or gained hair. People's impression of you will be that you're deceitful because your professional picture is completely incongruent with your actual current appearance. Plus, they'll just view you as lazy and hypocritical because you couldn't be bothered to practice that curb appeal you so passionately preach, right? Uh, I would also tell you feature testimonials, preferably video testimonials. Names and faces are incredibly important. 
rather than just a static image or initials or just text because, well, anyone can manufacture BS printed endorsements, and many people do. Talked about fusion marketing before. This is great for real estate. Have strategic partners. Can feature in your marketing, inserts, endorse letters, referrals. So, like, create a little collective. Uh, right now, it would be a virtual event, but like, you could create a little collective between mortgage people and title insurance people, a builder, a developer, a home staging company, an interior decorator. You can all share leads. You just, I just, I just cut your advertising cost dramatically. Your marketing expensive expenses might go down to zero from that tip alone. You want more tips like that? Join my membership community. And where do you go? Coach Brew? No, the underdog one. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday's, Yesterday's underdog.com. Underdog. Com. Singular. Underdog. You got a lot of URLs. I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's what she said. Um, so that's, you know, we're kind of wrapping things up here. I want to thank everyone for your questions. There's, you know. We can do plenty more of these Corona Chronicles. Uh, if you have more questions, feel free to uh, leave me a voicemail at anchor.fm slash coachbrewpodcast. Uh, there is a voicemail icon. You go to that page where you can record your question. I'll play your question on the podcast. You're, you can hear yourself if you I wouldn't choose. mind that. Yeah. Gives me less to talk. Uh, less of you and more of them just makes you happy, That's right? That's it. Awesome. So uh, you can do that. What else, hon? Is there anything else I need to plug, promote, anything here? Um, talked about the website, where you can go. If this resonated with you, and maybe you're interested in my coaching to help you and your business navigate this new normal, um, send me an email, info at coachbrew.com. We can schedule a time to talk, see if it's a good fit. Yeah, I'm uh, kind of a lot like sushi. I'm an acquired taste. Not for everybody. So we'll figure out if, if this is right for you. Coachbrew.com. This has been the Coach Brew Podcast, Corona Chronicles. And I want to thank Mrs. Coach Brew for riding shotgun throughout all this, firing the questions at me like a, um, like a I don't know, a criminal attorney. I was wondering how you're going to finish that sentence. Yeah, kind of criminal. Yeah. yeah. So uh, thank you. And yeah, feel free to reach out with questions. We're going to wrap this up. Julia, you want to uh, end the podcast and say goodbye to everybody? Bye, everyone. Hey, Brew, I know you said you don't want an outro at the end of the show, but how else are you going to tell people to subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast? Uh, I could just go ahead and tell them myself, but I'm not. What? Why not? I'm not going to tell people what to do. If they want to subscribe, share, rate, and review, that's that's their call. But those metrics are important. Actually, Coach Brew has a valid point. Those metrics don't mean a damn thing. The internet is littered with fake reviews, purchased followers, and subscribers. What matters is quality, not quantity. Thank you, Keely. Look at me. I love his show. So without being asked, I subscribed, reviewed it and recommended it to my colleagues.
Besides, that isn't even what he wants listeners to do anyway. He wants them to go to coachbrew.com and join his email list so they can get a complimentary copy of his prestigious $49 a month yesterday's underdog newsletter. And in doing so, they'll be subscribed to The Daily Brew, which is his free e-news. God, I love that thing. Whatever. I give up. Good. I give your decision five stars.